Welcome to the Serious Social Podcast, created by the straight-talking social media experts at Immediate Future. For the launch of our latest report, Technology CMO Outlook, me, Katie Howell, joins forces with co-author Catherine Strachan, the MD at Copyhouse, to share highlights from interviews with technology marketeers. We'll be talking about some of the trends, tactics and plans from brands including Adobe, Siemens, SAP and WorldPay. Welcome to Serious Social Live on this really, really muggy, well it is down south, muggy day. Um, so I'm going to, let's talk about tech. So exactly how are tech brands marketing? What's changed in the last year and what has consequently changed the future forever? Well, that's what Immediate Future and the team at Copy House asked ourselves earlier this year. We decided to talk to CMOs of some of the big tech giants from Adobe and WorldPay to um, SAP and Siemens and everything in between. Together, we wanted to do more than a report filled with data and benchmarks. And that's quite hard for someone like me because, you know, I like data. We wanted to get a feel for the tactics and the plans that had changed and how CMOs had, had shifted their marketing. The report came out this week and it's a hefty 50 plus pages of really juicy insight and verbatim interviews. It kind of it puts flesh on the bones, if that isn't too revolting a phrase, of marketing in 2021 and beyond. So today, what I want to do is just give you some highlights, but I'm not going to do it alone. So I am actually joined. Let me just add Catherine. I am I am joined by the amazing Catherine Strachan, MD at Copy House. Welcome, Catherine. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So tell us a little bit about your business, um, because obviously everybody knows who Immediate Future is, because it's our channel. <laughs> and And what in the report stood out for you most? Yeah, so I'm the managing director of Coffee House. Coffee House is a content marketing agency specializing in technology and fintech content. So we work with some really exciting brands and the tech work with people who do it technology. Oh dear. I wonder if that connection has gone for all of us it was all f- oh we're, are, are you back Catherine oh typical yeah. live scenario can you, can you hear me sorry about that yeah so what I was saying was that uh, we're a content marketing agency specializing in technology and fintech in the technology space we work with some really exciting clients who are doing everything from biometric technology for airports to cybersecurity, DevOps AI in the fintech space we work with big clients like Klarna and Modular um, it's it's really it's really exciting, and what we do is we basically content all the way through its life cycle. So we start at the beginning with workshops, um, and then do strategies, and then from strategies do content production, so e ebooks and white papers, thought leadership articles, case studies, blogs, uh, and then you know do content dissemination and really support all the way through. So we're doing some really exciting work. Um, so obviously, you know, throughout the pandemic, we have been helping our clients and, you know, when the pandemic first happened, we had to help them readjust their whole entire strategy, their approach, everything, and then adjust it so that, you know, they could go be on top of things and with recent news and continuing to, you know, adapt and change and pivot as, as things have evolved. So we really had a front 
So this report was fascinating because it allowed us to see some of, you know, and confirm some of the trends that we had already seen within the marketplace. So for me, you know, the big thing from the report was not so much the reveal of it, but being able to have these things confirmed, things that I had seen and felt and realized, like, you know, personalization, the importance of customer avatars, which has definitely become more of a trend over last year, having that, you know, echoed back to me by some of the CMOs of some of the world's largest technology firms was really, was really fascinating and very interesting. Um, The report is, yeah, it has so much, as you said, so much meat on the bones. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think you're right. It was validation for anybody who works with tech brands, including ourselves. It, it, there was a massive validation of the things we're hearing. But it's kind of, for me, it was lovely because it also distilled out the things that stood out for us. For instance, the move to simplicity and efficiency, a real desire for quality and, and thought leadership content. And most importantly, which is something I bang on about because everybody knows I bang on about it, is a need for data and insight to bring that personalization and empathy into conversations. Um, One of the interviews, Adam Morgan, who's executive creative director at Adobe, said, a lot of companies are thinking, let's get through this and then we'll be done. And that's not true. So much has changed and digital presence is is crucial now. How Looking at that phrase, how has this impacted your specialism? What has changed forever? Yeah, I mean, I think there's quite a lot that's changed forever. And I think that that mentality was really common in early COVID when we thought that it was only going to be, I mean, I remember the first lockdown, I thought it was going to be three weeks and then we would be back to the offices and everything would be totally fine. Boy, was I wrong. Um, That definitely did not happen. (laughs) Yeah, but... I mean, when you have, so they say it takes, uh, what, three months to form a good habit or a bad habit. So when you have something that goes on for, you know, any length of time, it fundamentally changes how we interact with customers, how we interact as a society. So actually, you know, when it comes to our services, one of the big things that we've definitely seen is, is changed customer reactions and interactions. So, you know, how people engage with online content is totally different than, you know, it was, it was a year ago. So many brands, you know, when COVID happened, because they had to move away from doing in-person events, moved everything online. So all of a sudden there was a massive amount of content coming out. um, And that then made it much harder for brands to cut through that noise, to build those relationships. I mean, if you're competing against thousands of others, for your customer's attention, um, it becomes much more important that you understand the types of content that's going to resonate with them, that you understand, you know, their pain points and that you can build, um, you know, this relationship and you can build this relationship online, which is another reason why, you know, thought leadership articles and having a really opinionated view and adding something unique to the world is far more important and, you know, really valued today than it was perhaps a year ago. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because I remember we all jumped online with webinars and everybody thought, this is great. And about a month later, we're all webinar fatigued or Zoom fatigued or whatever it is. And now a webinar comes up, you know, unless there is that thread of quality that, as you rightly said, the uniqueness about it. So it feels like there's a lot more work that goes into the one piece of content rather than volume and uh, um, content. Uh, 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 and that lesson has been hard learnt in the last year. One of the yeah. very clear 
trends, sorry. Um, One of the very clear trends was the need to extend and deepen the digital customer relationship, which is part of that. And that, as as you're saying, is kind of the focus on hyper-personalization. But what does that mean when it comes to crafting copy? Yeah. So, I mean, when we, when it comes to creating content, you know, where we start is with customer avatars. So even in the B2B space, we work almost exclusively in the B2B space. And the old way of thinking was that B2B didn't need customer avatars because you were selling to a company. But over this last year, I bang on all the time about the value of creating customer avatars, the value of taking the time to think about who your customers are, what are they struggling with? What keeps them awake at night? What are their pain points? And how can you leverage those pain points to help them solve a problem? So this last year has been a massive problem for everybody in the whole entire world in some way or another. So the best thing that brands could do would be to find a way that they could alleviate some of that problem. You know, whether you're a mental health app and you're helping employees stay mentally mentally fit or, you know, your cybersecurity and you're helping make sure that companies are protected when they're working remotely and in the cloud. Um, There's so many different ways that companies can solve some of the problems that brands faced over the last year. Um, So creating these avatars, taking the time to really build them out and really think about the psychological elements that go on behind the scenes, because I think one thing that we've definitely realized is that we're all humans, even when we're at work, you know, there's no divide anymore between home and personal personal and work, you know, you can't just leave your personal life at the door and neither can your audience. So it's really important that when you're creating content, it's created from an epithetic uh, (laughs) and that it's created, you know, emotionally sensitive. So you understand, you know, where your audience is and you're not expecting them to come meet you where you are, but you're going to them and you're engaging with them and talking to them in the way that they need to be supported. So it's all about building that relationship. And when you have that detailed customer avatar, you can really create content that tailors to that person. So it almost creates a one-on-one dialogue. So rather than having individual conversations with hundreds and thousands of customers, you can have a one-on-one conversation because it is actually one person on the other side of the screen reading that article. I mean, it might be read by lots of different people, but at any one time, you know, it's just one person reading it and you can create that two-way conversation. You know, you can create that supportive environment and you can, you know, build brand loyalty. And when you build brand loyalty, you then get advocates, you get people who love your brand, who champion it, who talk about it, who share articles that you've created because it helped them solve a problem. Um, I mean, I share articles all the time from people like Semrush who, you know, help me understand SEO and, you know, the, the context that we work in. So, I mean, if you think about it, you'll, you will share articles and whether or not it's the article that your brand created or not, you know, is really comes down to whether or not it connects with that pain point, and whether or not it solves that person's problem. And I think uh, actually at the root of that, all the way through the report, virtually every single interview talked about data and data insight. And there is a really a, a much more fundamental push now between um, extracting the data, not just at the end for measurement and KPIs, which is the very obvious part, but actually right up at the beginning to define not just the demographics of those personas, not just the clumps, but actually looking at behaviours and psychographics and attitudes and values and all the things that feed into those avatars, um, which, of course, is music to my ears. Um, and it is a better understanding where 
where data now fits across the process um, to define that intent, that customer intent. Yeah, 100%. I mean, search intent has become a massive thing over the last year. I mean, in the end of 2019, Google rolled out BERT. So BERT is natural language processing, which essentially is very complicated, but essentially comes down to search intent and understanding what your audience wants and making sure that your SEO strategy aligns with that. And that's only accelerated over the last year. So that was right before COVID. And then, you know, over over COVID has accelerated to be that search intent. And yeah, really understanding what customers want. And, you know, even Google and Google's algorithm is now now on board with that. Yeah, and it's it's I mean it's fascinating, isn't it? Because it impacts search and it impacts social too. So as we're, we're as we work through the customer journey in social, the same principles apply because the intention changes from research, for instance, to um, onto um, as people move on to share with their decision making unit and then on to purchase. All of those elements have a different intention. And so we have to spend quite a lot of time working out where it all fits in the customer journey and then how you sequentially storytell your way through that. Um, and that mirrors what happens at last click at that point where search plays its strongest card as to where they'll be in that, in that intention process. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, content but, marketing. Sorry, uh, no, sorry yeah, content marketing is really interesting. Is and in, because it's so flexible, it does fit across the entire funnel. So when we create content strategies, you know, we map them all the way through. So all the way through that customer journey that you're talking about. So there's some pieces of content that work very well at top of funnel. So at that research stage that you, that you're talking about, and then some that are you know much more suited for mid. So when you're actually talking about the brand and your approach and you know what you do, and then you know of course bottom of funnel, which you know the last click or um, you know, downloadables, you know, things like that, where they marketing leads actually turn into sales leads. So that's one of the things that I love most about content is that it's so flexible that you can do so many different things with it and you can tailor it to create that journey and nurture somebody from not knowing who you are all the way through to actually wanting to speak to your sales team. It's fantastic, isn't it? And I think what's what came through in the report is a deeper understanding of how to make that connected. And we spoke to uh, Bev Burgess from the ITSMA, who's just actually published a second edition of uh, her book on um, account-based marketing. So definitely one to, 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 to go investigate after this chat. But she said businesses had to quickly shift to a serve, not sell mentality, as a lot of things they had intended to market suddenly weren't relevant. The reason why this matters to me is I think we must have been banging on about this, particularly in social. It's really hard to do the sell, sell, sell in social. You just you just come across a bit slimy, but it's been one of those things that, you know, we've been banging on for the 17 years we've been doing social media. And then this last year, it feels like everybody's switched to serve, not sell, and it's been fantastic. But how did that impact the work you do? And how can our listeners move their content to this this more serve approach? Yeah. So, I mean, this really comes back to creating meaningful content and how I see content marketing is creating conversations and building relationships with your audience. That's what it does. So, I mean, if you think about it, if you went on a first date and you asked somebody to marry you, they're, they're probably going to say no. But if you take them on several dates and, you know, provide a really nice time, provide a good experience, you know, they get to know you, you get to know them, and then you ask them to marry you, you know, it's much higher that they'll say yes. It's the same kind of mentality. So if you're constantly going out there with buy from us, buy from us, buy from us, 
not everybody you talk to is going to be ready to jump into bed with you. Um, but, you know, creating that, creating that relationship and building that connection then makes it far more likely that they will jump into bed with you. So when it comes to content, you know, it's not, it's not just sell, sell, sell. It's about creating the relationship, opening the conversation, starting conversations on things, especially in the tech space that might seem overwhelming and scary because, you know, if you, especially if you're working in an innovative technology, you know, it might be something that is brand new to somebody or to a company. They might be scared to make a change. You know, there's lots of fears that play into that original original thought process and, you know, helping them, supporting them is far more important, far more likely to get you high qualified leads than, you know, trying to get everybody who you meet to marry you. Yeah, I love that. I love that analogy. And in social, that also means if it's first date, (laughs) not being boring. Um, The problem we have in social is that attention spans are minimal. Now, people are, are racing through their feeds. And in B2B tech, the, the temptation, I mean, I, I did a, uh, agree, but it was pre pandemic, Catherine. I did this little look at all the visuals that the cloud technology businesses were running. And I would say about 80% of them were all blue and they all had a cloud in them. And it was like, how on earth are you going to get that to stand out? So pushing product endlessly doesn't cut it, but also just. The serve mentality has got to be about moving really quickly into that informing and education as well as align, aligning against the buyer values. And then delivery, you've got about two seconds to grab attention. We call it thumb-stopping content. You know, To get to the thumb-stopping content, you need to move really quickly, which means you can you can go into the depth. You can you can add the link that goes into the deeper, more meaningful information. But in social, we need to grab those eyeballs first, and 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 I think that's a real real challenge. Seventy two percent, according to the ITSMA, they did this survey. Seventy two percent of their membership says thought leadership is more important than before, and sixty percent are increasing their spend on content. And I think I think. What's really interesting about that, and I'm just add, I'm throwing in another question here, um, because thought leadership sounds like so it, it gets thrown around a lot, but it's not easy, is it, Catherine? It's not. It's it's not so, to be a thought leader as a business or a person takes time. Oh, I think you might. Have, oh, yes, a hundred percent. You really have to. You, oh yeah, a hundred percent. You really have to develop opinions, and you know cultivate those insights. So how we do that for our clients is we will do an interview with one of their technical leads. So people behind the scenes, technology companies have really brilliant people in them in general. Um, But most of the time, these people are never seen, you know, they're so busy working on the product or the service that they, you know, don't get a chance to write. And even if they did, you know, them spending four hours of their time to write, you know, a thousand word article is perhaps not the best use of their time. But they have, you know, they've been working in these this field for sometimes decades. So they have really great, really great opinions. And I think it's about creating that employee advocacy and allowing your employees to have a voice in the content that's created. So how we do that is we just take 20, 30 minutes of their time and do an interview and ask them some big questions, really push them on it, really encourage them to think and to think a bit deeper. And we get some really brilliant insights from that. And then we take those insights and we turn them into 
a thought leadership article. And that's a really easy, very effective way for most of our brands to start creating thought leadership content because they basically have somebody taking them by the hand and leading them uh, to, to you know, the final content. Oliver Pilgerstorfer, CMO IFS, he says, I always talk about the fundamentals of marketing. I don't think it's changed. Our aim is to deliver compelling messages at the right time to the right people. It has always been. I love this because we've just talked about all the things that have changed, but there are some fundamentals that are never likely to change. How does that impact what you do? Yeah, I mean, I think like COVID was not a massive, you know, everything was totally different overnight. Well, it was, but not when it comes to marketing. What what happened in marketing is that it accelerated the evolution of it. So a lot of these things were already in place beforehand. So like Bert, um, you know, Bert was rolled out before COVID, but COVID accelerated it because people were all of a sudden spending a lot of time online. So, you know, we, all of my team have been creating content for a lot longer than the pandemic. So our roots are very much in the pre, pre-pandemic. And then what we've had to do to stay on top of it is to, you know, think and become a bit more empathetic and to understand customers and encourage our clients to understand their audience a bit better. So we've had to adapt with the times, but if you already have that strong foundation, it's much easier to adapt with the times than if you're trying to start trying to start from scratch. So so thankfully, you know, for what we do, it was quite easy to adapt as long as we were aware and, you know, having lots of very interesting conversations and staying up to date on everything that was going on, which obviously this ebook helps feed into. And it's, to be honest with you, it's the same. And so, I mean, anybody who thinks marketing has fundamentally changed, it's it's only the execution that's changed. The fundamentals are the same. And frankly, I always think, thank heavens, because everything else in social keeps changing, (laughs) you know, from our, I mean, I wake up in the morning and things have changed. It's like we are continuously running marketing on shifting sands. So those fundamentals are really important and really anchor everything um, that we do. Um, and a lot of people in the report talked about agile, everything, agile, everything, basically agile from message delivery to shifting with the nuances of data insight. So I call this session the long and short of it, partly sort of tongue in cheek, because Catherine, you do long form copy and we as social media folk spend our lives in short form. Have, however, Regardless of the long and short of it, it seems that most of the brands we spoke to are focused on on this quality element. And and I wondered how that plays out for tech companies. How does that meaningful value really, really play out when it comes to, because people talk a lot about it, but the doing is a different thing altogether. Yeah, I think it's very difficult um, to deliver that, which is why it's really great to have an outsourced partner, because what one of the big challenges that most of our brands struggle with is finding the time to create quality content. So obviously, quality content takes some time to create. And, you know, most of our clients really struggle with bandwidth because technology companies typically run with very lean teams. So technology companies will only have, you know, maybe a handful of people in their marketing team. And, you know, being able to take the time to create that content to think strategically to look at internal business objectives, as well as, you know, the wider ecosystem, what customers care about, what's going on in the marketplace, SEO, industry trends. So, you know, the market place especially with COVID especially early early COVID was changing all the time so to stay up to date with that and then create quality content that you know has a clear search intent that has clear value to the users and 
positions the brand in the right light is a really difficult thing to do and takes a lot of time. So, you know, for us, um, all of our, all of our copywriters also double as strategists because they are trained to think um, about these things, to look for the opportunities, to help our clients see these opportunities. Um, and I think, you know, it re really requires that level of support to be able to create quality content, um, quickly as well, because, you know, you mentioned agile working and that's one of the things that I've definitely seen happen over the last year, everything moves much quicker. So even, you know, creating long form content, which obviously is quite time consuming, you know, clients want it yesterday or need it tomorrow because the situation is changing and evolving. And especially when, you know, new laws, new rules that were coming into place, you know, clients needed to talk about them today, not tomorrow. So, you know, my teams had to get very good at creating quality content quickly <laughs> we actually came up with like a coffee house equation that's quality plus reliability plus speed equals the coffee house way um and yeah we definitely definitely try to stay true to that i love it i love it <laughs> i need to come up with a little equation too now <laughs> one of the things though that came out of this report that i thought was summed up brilliantly uh, by one of our interviewees he said we create we crave uh, brain-changing and delightful experiences. And I think at the root of everything, whether it's data or long-form copy or short-form copy, I think coffee, um, because is what I need, um, it, it's that delightful experiences, which is that being relevant, being relevant to that, as you said right at the beginning, that single audience, that one person who reads it and is delighted because it's given them some information, knowledge, entertain them, educated them whatever it is that's the thing we're trying that's a nub of what we're trying to get to and that's kind of a great place to close thank you Catherine so much for your thoughts I really appreciate them I think you've nailed the highlights brilliantly although you and I both know there's an awful lot more because uh, our fantastic interview shared a whole lot more um, and you can get it today I'll put a note in the comments afterwards we've uh, we've got views on the MarTech stack, is that worth having? What are people doing with their MarTech stack? Thoughts about the changes that, that brands will keep and the ways in which whole businesses have turned to face the customer during the last 12 months. You can download the report on the resources pages of our website. I'll pop the link in comments and it's running across the bottom at the moment. Next week, CJ talks in depth to one of our brilliant minds in the ebook, Graham Stoker, Integrated CX Senior Campaigns Manager, my word, what a mouthful, at Nutanix, um, a chance to hear smart marketing thinking. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend and see you soon. Bye. Bye. If you're after more know-how to break the social boring, Subscribe now and check out the show notes for links to our website and social profiles.